Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Wednesday Night War Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick here to preview tonight's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review the Wednesday Night War and our preview of AEW Dynamite is available right now. We also review Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to NXT tonight and some serious... Issues heading into it, centering around <coughs> Michael Hamlet. Okay. As uh, <laughs> would say, um, who do you reckon is going to get the War Games advantage tonight? Uh, the heels, because that's how the War match games. works. Uh, it's <laughs> like it's, that's whether it be a toss of a coin or an actual wrestling match. It has to be the baddies, because um, that's how these matches work, and especially in the case of. Um, the Kings of NXT and the Undisputed Era, it's how the match can perfectly work. It services a Pat McAfee-led stable for them to have the advantage in particular. Um, I like that we're at a, a point where this War Games feels so organic that I've got some investment in that match where the, the result is a foregone conclusion, um, where even the layout and the structure of the match feels like a foregone conclusion. They've done such a good job of building it up. And... You know, not just in the way that the, the McAfee stable came together or like right around the time that the Undisputed Era felt as if they were falling apart, but how they you presented a reverse course of that last week. That final sort of half an hour of NXT that climaxed with that angle was some of the most exhilarating television they've booked this year. It's come at the right time. The War Games feels nicely distanced from the Survivor Series to do away with some of the confusion that I know hampered a lot of people's enjoyment last year. So I genuinely am quite pleased with how they've timed and paced this story. It all feels just about right. And it hasn't been easy to say that about a lot of NXT stuff this year. Uh, Sid, you rolled your eyes when you found out about this match for, for the advantage. But how do you see it going? I mean, tell the, tell the, tell the listeners what it is. It is a ladder match between one member of uh, Undisputed Era and one <laughs> member of Pat McAfee's gaggler bastards to, to, to get the advantage for War Games. I'll say one nice thing about this. One, before I bury it, and you can listen to previous editions of this podcast as they pertain to the storyline, which I think has been so well done. 
This isn't just default latent NXT criticism on my part. I'll say one nice thing about it. It's better than a coin toss. And people will think that's sacrilegious because it goes against tradition and the way it did when War Games is, you know, at its best, in my opinion. But it's already a contrived... It's always the heels. It's always the heels. I'd much prefer it to be done via a match um, that the heels inform the outcome of by being heels, stacking the deck by being heels, leaving it up to fate is not a really wrestling thing to do. I know this is all sacrilege, by the way, and I'll, I'll, I'll happily admit my uh, sins, but it was just, for something so contrived, they found the most way of making it more contrived, and it was just something people accepted because the bloodshed was so awesome in a War Games match, so I'd, I'm glad they've done away with the coin. The, the idea of a ladder match taking place ahead of a gimmick match is so Vince Russo. I had the same complaint last year. It's the most excessive, grabby, kayfabe shit. Because what you're essentially conveying to the audience is that how brutal can this War Games match be if you're doing a ladder match before it? You're not selling your goddamn stipulation. Not only as the special thing that it's more than a regular wrestling match, so you must like buy the network or whatever. You're basically saying that, oh, you can survive it because it's just a ladder match. It's all kinds of goddamn stupid. I hate it. I hate it. I think it is dumb. I think it is desperate. It creates within me not a sense of excitement for war games, which I'm genuinely excited for this McAfee match, but a sense of resentment because I just get the distinct impression this would not be happening were it not for another TV show on another channel. And whenever I can see those wires and the cynicism of those wires, I cannot stand it. Plus, I'm a little bit worried, like risking these guys, what, 10, 11 days out from, from, from war games in a ladder match, considering the iffy history we've had of this on, on NXT TV a while back. Ooh. Anyway, um, in terms of who should do it, by the way, I love McAfee's new title for his gang of the Kings of NXT. It feels like, Hamble, it kind of has to be Pete Dunne, who's sort of been the, the de facto leader, aside from McAfee, the mouthpiece. Would you have that? And, and who would you have him from Undisputed Era face? Yeah, I would go Pete Dunne, and I'm very excited for him to win as well. Um, I think this victory solidifies, as you say, the, the the idea. Obviously, McAfee is the leader because he's the mouthpiece. But Pete Dunne is looking jacked. Pete Dunne is looking dangerous. Um, he's the most dangerous weapon in that stable. And I think a win in a wrestling match is the next thing he needs to get this element of his character over. I agree with Cedric on the ladder match for what it's worth. You know, last it's funny because I, this this year won't even do a rating. They did two ladder matches last year to try and win rating when the battle was a little bit hot there and now it appears unfortunately that's become a baked in element of war games i would expect this with the women's match next week i would expect this with the stipulation next year as well it's an unnecessary addition to war games for what was for when it was born for entirely different purposes than what it serves now um in terms of the undisputed era uh i think the nice story to tell is that they select roderick strong mm. pete dunn's turn was informed by the fact that once upon a time, Strong turned on him. It would inform the violence of a ladder match that we have kind of come to expect and need to see. Um, yes, the purpose is to get that, and it will be a briefcase probably, get that briefcase that entitles you to the War Games advantage. But if that's the only reason you're climbing a ladder, why inflict such violent punishment on your opponent? Well, if it's Strong and Pete Dunne, they've both got very good reasons. If not um, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly 
because you're looking for the hottest babyface heel dynamic, and that's probably O'Reilly and uh, Pete Dunne. It's a, it's not bad, you know. It's I, I like that it's the undisputed era more than I like this match because as part of his latent babyface turn, Adam Cole could actually volunteer himself. He used to be the guy that would let them do all the dirty work, and now he actually wants to lead from the front. There's some nice storyline to this because the storyline is so good. I'm just completely with Sidgwick on there. Unless it's done and strong, the violence of the ladder match will feel completely overwrought. I would argue that even with that perfectly booked fantasy scenario, it still will feel completely and utterly unnecessary and grabby. He literally had a ladder match last month. All of these things add up. All of these things add up to the point where you will arrive at a scenario in December and January where you can't resort to something like that again. Otherwise, it does go full Vince Russo. And it feels like because you haven't had that kind of violent, visceral thrill, that nothing will feel like is captivating. Like This kind of excessive booking will make more restrained booking feel more dry than it has to be um, in the weeks and months to come. It'll be a great match, and that's what pisses me off, because how can you resent such hard and likely masterful work that is going to really hurt them, and you should respect, but it's just part of the my overarching problem with this brand and this company. Uh, as part of all that, last week, of course, we saw the return of Finn Balor, NXT champion. Uh, see that getting followed up tonight, Sidge? When do you see him return into action? Um... I do think this will get followed up. I think they were maybe a little bit cheeky last week. You can't expect from WWE, and I think, you know, they're not going to grow an audience like this. can't really expect them to. You can't take them at their word. So last week, it was a nice enough transition to get to that hot main event angle. And it was so hot, in fact, that no one gave a toss that it didn't get a promise delivered upon. You got something better, which might say something about Finn Balor's um, title reign. Snake bitten as it's been, or otherwise. Um, but no, I think they didn't just do that for a transition because they could have just had the undisputed era say, "Well, enough of this talk, and you talk, and sh- we're going to come out and beat your ass." You didn't need Balor for that. I don't think they would have dared dream of having Balor in that role if, in fact, they still didn't know whether he was coming back. So I expect it to be followed up. They've intimated on commentary that Kashida's the next guy. He's the perfect B-level defense. We've talked about this at length before. I won't say it much longer, but I expect that match to be made tonight. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd like Finn Balor's attitude to be, well, I didn't quite get to finish what I started last week. Um, I've missed the competition. I've been watching from the sides. I was determined. No, uh, no, no, no. The sides have been watching him. <laughs> the sides have been watching him. Um, my, my goal was to restore this belt to the glory that I believe it had when I last held it. And there's only one man right now that deserves that shot. Just actually put your top contenders over as top contenders. There are times for angles. There are times for surprises and shocks. And, you know, I would argue to an extent we, we did get that. I, I think they got it probably just about right last week in terms of giving him giving you a bit of Finn Balor, but then not giving you that much. Um, and indeed, if carrying crosses to come back, that can happen as a, as a surprise at TakeOver after Balor's presumably successful against Kushida. Um, Yeah, set it up in much the same way he did Kyle O'Reilly. Competitive sporting framework for a title that, you know, we should still care a great deal about. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. 
Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Great match on paper advertised for tonight as well. Ember Moon versus Candice LeRae. Uh, more sort of developments for the women's side of War Games, Hamlet. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Moon, I, th- I don't want to say she's yet to deliver on the, the promise of that return promo when she came back at TakeOver 31 because the matches have been great in patches. But I would like to see her have that first complete performance where we've not got these ifs and buts and howevers in our critique of it. Candice LeRae for the longest time now has just been in career form. Um, it's a staggering achievement, I guess, of Io Shirai being as good as she is that LeRae hasn't become NXT Women's Champion because she wrestles like it. She doesn't really have bad matches anymore. She was fabulous as a babyface and has yet made this what should have been quite unnatural heel character work almost as well. And of course, we could talk about a relationship with Johnny Gargano helping that but I like the match I like the pairing I like that we've kind of done the best I would say the best this could be generous the best possible job at arriving at these war games quartets as they could have done with the time they've had and with the various angles that were women that the women were in I don't feel that all of this feels terribly forced not least because it started with the crushing of a tank you know um even that tied into it. It's just quite cute. It's quite nice. I think the match will be great. Um, Ember Moon and Tony Storm as good as confirmed themselves as member of Team Shotty last week without actually doing it. So I would expect that to be solidified here as well. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any other different permutations. I think that's been covered um, by my esteemed colleague there. I'm a little bit more down on the build, but only because I've been so monumentally awed by the way they've built the men's match. But, you know, that's like genuinely great, great stuff. You can't really do that every single week. Um, It's virtually impossible. I'm hyped for this match in typical NXT style as much by um, the Shotzi Blackheart Black Sabbath 
vignette last week. I showed that across the virtual desks to Andy Murray, who doesn't have to watch NXT for a podcast, so is a more casual viewer of it. And I think he's as down on it as I am for many of the same reasons. He watched that and he was so effusive in his praise. And I think that speaks to how well they've built Shotzi Blackheart, how well she's evolved into the role. So yeah, I'm hyped for the match on the strength of the video package alone. Um, what do you reckon is happening next with, with Rhea Ripley, Sidge? Obviously, she failed in a title challenge against Io Shirai in a great match last week. But you felt after that, the only way she can really go is, is moving to something like Raw or SmackDown. Or is, is it about, as, as Hamlet has alluded to, a, a turn for Rhea Ripley and her return to the dark side? I don't know, you know. It's an odd one. And I think that's a symptom of how just weirdly she's been booked. Like, she was the king of Wednesdays. Like, consider anyone in NXT doing that now. Last time, This time last year, she was like pretty much the king of Wednesdays heading into that um, conquering of um, Shayna Baszler. I don't see a heel turn coming. I just thought it was such an earnest, teary celebration in the post-match last week that I think it'll have a swervy element. But, you know, if anyone's got cause to turn heel at this point, it's Rhea Ripley. She's failed being like sort of nice and aggressive and playing a role as this dreamer going to an empty WrestleMania stadium. Like she's kind of an idiot if she doesn't at this point, but I didn't really feel it in the beats of last week. So I've got no idea in the indictment is I don't really care. I can't make up my mind. Um, I don't think it would serve her that well to say she fought Io Shirai as hard as she could you know, wave a tearful goodbye to NXT and then go straight up to the main roster. I think I've worked myself into a bit of a shoot in terms of how well a Rhea Ripley heel turn could go because that was kind of how this character came to life in the first place. She didn't really give too much of a sh- about Tegan Knox injured uh, on her course to try and win the Mae Young Classic. She was a dominant figure as the NXT UK Women's Champion when people like gave the tiniest of tosses about that belt I know they may not now, and that's not Kelly Ray's fault either. Um, so, like, a lot of the best bits of her character existed as a heel. Um, she didn't even come into NXT as a proper babyface. She was turned babyface by the virtue of being the only one strong enough to topple Shayna Baszler. So, off the back of the year, I would like the heel turn as much as anything to return her agency, to give her her agency back. Um, how, or if at all, she figures into war games is, I think, the most interesting thing, and why I don't really want it to just be, thanks, NXT, I've had a few great years time for something new and then it's raw and smackdown and we have to just hit a reset on that character i would love it if she was quietly um given a pass from shotty blackheart for a team because the numbers are already there for somebody else to be on that team rhea ripley was front and center for somebody taking out mia yim last year and that's somebody being dakota kai and a vicious turn revealing itself in the body of the match so there is a like a nice way for Rhea Ripley to turn there in the same way that Dakota Kai did last year, or indeed put out a call out to be on Team Shotty at War Games because it's kind of all she's got left and her not be able to make the team. I think there's lots they can do with it. Mm. That kind of like dr- loser like that again, sure. That, uh, well, I know that drives it and motivates it. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I it's personally just, would. It's a bit cringe for me as a babyface in a promo. Yeah. And I don't uh, think that's helped. Like a lot of the booking's been bad, but realistically, if we're going to be very fair, just quite a cringeworthy promo, which I don't think has helped as a babyface. So I do think a heel turns best for a career. The the build up that she got to the loss, like 
tells me that this can't quite be the end of her NXT story. They put her over really strong in strong matches and she looked back to best again for that shot against Io Shirai. And it seems to me that that feels like more of a character arc. I thought I'd got myself back to my best and I still wasn't good enough. That feels like it's part of a story rather than part of her NXT farewell. I could be proven wrong. I just, I'd like to think that there was more to it. Yeah, really intriguing to see what they do with this character because, you know, she's she's a megastar um, by all accounts. And, you know, if it was down to me personally, I'd probably have her do some more stuff in NXT. I think she's she's a huge shot in the arm. She's the, the flash of excitement that Monday Night Raw needs, um, in my opinion. And I think if I'm booking WrestleMania next year, fingers crossed with the crowd, you could get potentially Sasha Banks versus Bianca, Bianca Belair and Asuka versus Rhea Ripley. It just writes itself that, doesn't it? Um, but in the interim, uh, yeah, like you say, very intriguing as to where you go from here. Um, but yeah, I'd probably keep her on NXT for the time being, just so when she wins the Royal Rumble in my fancy booking, it comes slightly more out of the blue than than just having a knockabout on Raw for a couple of months. Um, Sid, you uh, talked about Kevin Owens popping up. It's a shame uh, the greatest commentator in the world, uh, Wade Barrett, is not going to be on the show tonight. Uh, he's replaced by Kevin Owens, and, and you seem to think that this is a nod to trying to pop a rating with him, jumping onto War Games, potentially. It's, there's an angle alert, because December 2 is a massive show for AEW, and they do not want people to watch it, and the best means of accomplishing that is by parachuting a main roster star onto NXT. It's not cynicism, it's pattern. And I will be astonished if who's a heel in NXT right now that's treading water somewhat. Who's not like directly, even if the angle sucks, isn't it? Velveteen Dream. Dream. Said with hands over face for those that can't see this video. Just Velveteen Dream is is free and I feel nervous about that. I think Kevin Owens has got enough agency at this point in his career, and he has. He's directly walked up to Vince McMahon and said, make them wear masks. Like, he's long past the point, I think, where he wants to really be a world champion or an ace figure and just is his own man and will work whatever they give him, but with his head held high. He, I think he was one when Velveteen Dream first came back, Who, and I might be totally wrong, but I think he heavily alluded on Twitter to not being particularly happy with it. Um, I don't think he'd come back to work the dream on NXT. That's a Champer and Thatcher maybe seem like the most likely. Mm. Champer's not really an angle yet, the sort of tease one. And, and if anything, what does it matter? It's just going to be a one and done week. I'll be astonished if Kevin Owens simply commentates on the show. I think some action and some match will tumble to his direction. He will take umbrage with it and he'll get a match for next week. For one horrendous and cynical purpose. I don't think they want. They don't want that show to go for a million. Imagine if, like, uh, this is fantasy booking because I hate Dexter Lewis. But imagine if Kevin Grand maybe had a match with Kevin Owens. That's a match I'd watch. No, I'd yeah. watch that. I'd still prefer to watch Moxie and May again for a million people. <laughs> <laughs> there is um, so all of Cedric's cynical reasons are correct. Um, I am, however, very excited for how Kevin Owens mixes in. He's, uh, I mean, as he. Proved last year, he's sort of the perfect guy um, for storylines in NXT because he clearly cares deeply for it. Um, and with the right guy, the match is going to be good. And I love getting to watch Kevin Owens still care and like still be Kevin Owens. And you get so little of that on the main roster, and it's never his fault. It's not a slight on him in the slightest. 
Um, if we're not getting a, I think a singles match for next week feels nailed on to me. Absolutely nailed on. Um, I wonder if if it is Pete Dunne, let's say the ladder, ladder topples towards Kevin Owens um, and he gets himself in the mix with the Kings of NXT. Um, and possibly, possibly, even if this is a... Owens v. McAfee non-finish. <laughs> um, if, this is a, if this has war games permutations, not for a singles match, but for Kevin Owens to step in as a partner of the Undisputed Era rather than their biggest opponent last year. If, let's say, a Bobby Fish or a Kyle O'Reilly was to be injured and thus written out of the match, Kevin Owens then steps in because he was there to take them on last year and now they're the good guys, so he's on their side. If he's rattled by one of McAfee's lot tonight, that would give him you know, justifiable intent to want to be part of the match. Something like that, some sort of big angle. It's probably not going to be anything halfway as interesting. It is probably just going to be a singles match with Master Champa, which, you know, they're, they're fools to think that that's going to draw a number in comparison to an AEW title match against a guy that's famed for his fantastic quarter hours. Either way, I can't wait to hear what Kevin Owens has got to say when Pat McAfee comes out. Uh, finally, <laughs> uh, Michael Hamflet, around this time of year, it's customary to talk about screw jobs, but we have to talk about the Orlando screw job from last week uh, with Johnny Gargano. Um, no doubt there's going to be more on that tonight. I think we all agree that, that Johnny Gargano is one of the best things about NXT. And that is sort of condensed. The microcosm of that is a WWE.com exclusive uh, that was supposedly an interview with uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. But no one cares about that because Johnny Gargano rocks up and just completely takes it over, complaining about what's been going on. I think, I think a triple threat, Gargano, Priest and Ruff, is ideal for, uh, for War Games, Hamflirt. Is that the direction you reckon they're going to head in? Absolutely. I mean, Indy Hartwell, who's she ever beat, you know? Um, I loved... Go on. Well, sorry, I just want to give you a brief... Have you, two, you two haven't seen this WWE.com, actually? I haven't seen this, no. Go and watch it. Spend, spend four minutes of your day watching this today, honestly, because they're trying to do this interview with, with Candice and talk about her new relationship with Indy Hartwell. I can't remember what even the question is asked of her because they get about 30 seconds in. In comes Johnny Gargano with the line, Where's heartbreak at? Where's heartbreak? Right? He wants to have words because he's angry about this uh, Orlando screw job. He uh, introduces himself formally to Indy Hartwell and says, never said a bad word about her. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the TV. Okay. Great gift. Great gift. Um, he talks a little bit about her accent. He says, oh, yeah, Candice had a, 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 another friend before this, but I could never understand the words she was saying, to be perfectly honest. But, you know, you've got a bit of an accent, but it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Um, he gets her, he says, oh, yeah, what do you reckon about this? Uh, or uh, he, So I'll do, do, he's like, what do you reckon of this Orlando Screwjob? And she's like, can I, mate? Bloody Orlando Screwjob. And he's like, no, 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 no. Orlando. We'll, we'll, we'll practice. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll get there. He goes, and he goes, oh, by the way, don't mention wheels. All right. And Candice goes, no one's mentioned wheels. What are you talking about? And he goes, well, Candice, your eyes are round. So therefore, we are. <laughs> oh, God, that's not good. And he goes, that's shoehorned. He goes, he goes, Indy, you get it. You get it right. You get it. And then he starts talking about, he wants to confront the heartbreak kid. But he says, hey, watch out for heartbreak. If you turn sideways, get out of there. Because uh, he's a dangerous character. It's amazing. But I, I just, I can't believe what a transformation Gargano has had in the last six months, especially in the eyes of you, Michael, situation. Yeah, yeah, he's been amazing. He's been absolutely amazing. Um, I will check that out. I'm a pretty busy man, so, you know, maybe it'll be late. <laughs> um, it's been great. The storyline has been very... Winning is the word I would describe it. 
it's a, a charming storyline that is the absolute best it can get out of what Johnny Gargano can and is so capable of bringing um, in this sort of upper mid-card role. We're going to get the triple threat and it's going to be really fun. And realistically, I there's very few performers I get less out of than Damien Priest. He's a focus group catchphrase wrestler <laughs> who's a parody of the NXT creative process at this point. He um, epitomizes it for me. And I'm still really excited for something he's going to be involved with. So that must make the booking good. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you there, Hamlet, when you were about to give your perspective on it all. No, I think, if anything, the booking last week benefited Priest most of all. Um, It actually had some personality. He dared to be arrogant in the face of Leon Ruff, who didn't betray himself, which was nice as a babyface to not be stupid or weak or cowardly. Um, Damien Priest has sort of been sucked into this really he thought he was just going to be the cool hand loot guy that would be able to rattle gargano's cage and then get the belt back with ease and i quite like that there's actually a, just like the tiny bit of depth of character to damien priest versus as Cedric kind of points out like a guy that was little more than somebody that could set his own name on fire with an invisible arrow um i don't mind priest's matches but there was no more effort put into his persona beyond that so i really really enjoyed how they got us up for a triple threat. Triple threat's not the easiest thing to build. And every character's role in this one makes a lot of sense. And we have all the evidence to suggest that the match should be really good as well. Yeah. Just con- just just confirm it and solidify it. It's been pretty strong stuff. I think that's the direction they're going to head in, obviously, tonight with hopefully more mic time for Johnny Gargano. Uh, and, and like you say, increased agency for Valeon Ruff because going into this match, uh, if I was a betting man, I'd probably put money on Gargano. Uh, leaving as NXT North American champion from War Games, but I think there's an argument to be made that any three, uh, any one of those three men could could leave with the, the title because of this triple threat and the the way this is going to work out. Very very exciting stuff. But uh, let us know your thoughts ahead of tonight's episode of NXT on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at. Have we not done the ratings? I was just about to say. I've just realised we haven't done the ratings either. So follow Michael Sidgwick <laughs> at. M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn and we'll do the ratings very quickly. Uh, I knew I was forgetting something. Wednesday Night War ratings, uh, a shellacking uh, for NXT last week. Uh, 8.50 for AW plays NXT's 6.38. Technically, by the numbers, uh, Hamlet was closest, but I got one of the numbers absolutely bang on, so I'll be going first this week and saying, uh, sticking with 8.50, it's my lucky number uh, for AEW. Uh, and I reckon there's going to be an improvement for NXT 675. Hamlet, as you came at a close second uh, by my book, uh, I get bonus points for getting it bang on, basically. Uh, what do you reckon? Nothing says the war's over, like subconsciously forgetting to acknowledge that there might be a winner and a loser, does there? I'll go with, <laughs> a, I'll go with a 860 AW650 NXT. Uh, Sige? I think um, AW holds strong because the, the wrestling shows that do get ratings have been pretty steady recently. They'll get 8.30. NXT will get 6.40. Okay. A resounding victory nonetheless for AW. I would expect nothing less for a go-home show ahead of Winter is Coming and the sort of prelude to the go-home for War Games on the other side. But do let us know your thoughts, as I said, on Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, right now, there is our preview of AW Dynamite on there. And then tomorrow, our reviews of both shows will go up. But this has been the Wednesday Night War preview of NXT. My thanks to the Dudley Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.